Well, a very good morning to all of you. It's really great. It's really good to be here. It's my privilege and my honor to come again to bring the Word of God to all of us, and especially on a very special day like today, Mother's Day. You know, all women may not be mothers today, but all are called to be mothers because the word mother is to teach. The word mother is to nurture. The word mother is to lead. The word mother is to impact and influence. So all of us have a calling, regardless of whether we have children or not. And I guess the best introduction of myself, I thank uh, Pastor Linda for that long, long one. <laughs> but the um, best introduction of myself is, first of all, I am a daughter. I'm a sister, a wife, a granddaughter, a mother, an aunt, sister-in-law, got promoted to be grandmother of a 10-year-old daughter and a 1-year-old grandson. I loved, I have lost, I have hope, feared, laughed, cried, I've sung, worried, cared, I've envied, I've dreamed, disappointed, despaired. In other words, I'm really a woman today like any one of you this morning seated here. And I, you know, the most blessed thing that I always held on to, in spite and despite all, is this blessed identity I have in God. I am a child of God. I am a daughter of the living King. Amen? And I tell you, no one can take that identity that Christ has given to me of who I am in God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say to that person, you are a child of God. And if it's a lady, you say, you're a daughter of the king. Yeah, that's an affirmation. That's an affirmation. And today is Mother's Day. And I think it is uh, to all mothers here, Single mom, step mom, foster mom, spiritual mom, grandma. I want to wish all of you a very blessed Mother's Day, a very special day once in a year. We get lots of flowers, isn't it? And I'm here in Petaling uh, Jaya, but my home is filled with flowers. Yes. You know, so I thought it's befitting to, to begin by telling you a Mother's Day joke. You want to hear a joke? Yeah, just to laugh it up so that you'll be a bit more relaxed. Now, this mother, this woman, this lady had uh, three sons. The three sons left their home. They made their way. They were uh, prosperous. And so Mother's Day was around the corner, and then they wanted to plan what to buy for mother. So the other son said this, I'm going to build mom a big house so that mom can stay in it. Second son said, well, then I buy mom a Mercedes Benz, you know, and I, I give her a driver. And the third son said, hmm, mom enjoy reading the Bible, but now her eyesight got bad. And so I'm going to, I got this remarkable parrot that I bought and uh, I could recite the whole Bible, entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And all mom has to do is to just quote the, the chapter and the verse and the parrot will be able to recite. And it took the church elders 
12 years to train this parrot. Wow, it is mother's gift, you know. And so after Mother's Day, mom called out the sons and said, Milton, your house too big. I live in only one room and now I'm going to end up cleaning the whole house. And to Gerald, mom is so old now, I don't really want to travel and I'm really scared of the traffic. I'd rather stay home most of the time. So I don't really need, I think the driver needs the car. And to Donald, wow, that chicken is really delicious, yummy, good. Well, let's be careful what we send to our mother. This morning, I'm going to share with you the title of my little sharing. It's really on the invisible woman. It's not the Avengers that is here. <laughs> it's not Star Wars, but it's, you know, the invisible woman. This story is dedicated to all mothers in our midst, to all grandmothers, to all homemakers and caregivers as well. I sense like, a lot of caregivers here. You may not be a mother, but you take over the household because mom and dad are old and you're not married. And so here it is. It's a story. Let me begin it. Charlotte is a hardworking, devoted mother with three daughters. She loves her children. She enjoys, um, she finds satisfaction in bringing her children up. She loves her husband. But her fear is that she's gradually disappearing in the fulfilling of her responsibilities at home. She's every woman's character, whether young or old. And so it started to happen gradually. I will walk into the room and I will say something. Turn the TV down, please. Nothing happened. No one noticed. And then I would say louder, turn the TV down, please. And nothing happened. And finally, I would go over and I would turn it down. I began to notice that it started elsewhere. My husband and I had been to a party for three hours. And I kind of like ready to go. And I look over. And my husband was talking to his friend and he was going on and on and on. And then when I went near, you know, usually you go near, you're hoping that he would turn your, his body towards you. No, he was going on. He was so engaged in that conversation. He did not even notice that I was just like in front of him. I began to realize, begin to put it all together, that he can't see me. I am invisible and no one sees me. Then I started to notice it more. I walked my daughter to school and a teacher would say, Joy, who's that next to you? Nobody. Granted, she was only six years old, but nobody. I worked to put dinner on the table and everyone act as though like no one put anything on that table. Everyone sits to a full meal and my husband says, there is no chili sauce. 
which means I can't see you. I'm not addressing you. And when I say there's no chili sauce, the chili sauce lady would get up and then the chili sauce, hey, presto, will be on the table. The dinner goes on. And everybody had a nice dinner. Nobody knows how their socks got put into their drawers or their favourite tricks in that brown mysterious bag ends up at the end of the door. Or how come, how, who picks the kids up from school? Or how come the dog doesn't pee and poo anymore on the sofa? No one sees me. I am invisible. My teenager takes advice from everyone but mine. My husband talks to everybody like he's interested in their lives, but he didn't notice that I have a new hairdo. And I did have a new hairdo. My preschooler wants to play, but I'm just a body for her to roll over. I'm a mother at the grocery store. With all the mothers looking for all the cheap sale items, I'm a wife at every business dinner with every and other wives who's bored to death but happy just to be out of the house. I am invisible. And even sitting with a group of friends for a college get-together. Everybody was going on and on and on about what they do, what they have, what they bought. And I am invisible. And no one sees me. They're all discussing all the court cases when I'm thinking about changing the pillowcases. They're tracking the changes in the marketplace and I'm just making diapers changes in the supermarket. Well, it's not exactly the sort of thing that you can discuss at dinner, isn't it? And sometimes it comes from not being the loudest at the table and not needing to draw attention to myself. But lots of time, it leaves me feeling alone. And so one night, a group of us gathered together to celebrate the return of my friend from England. And Janice bought me a book. It was a, a book, a black book, a thick black book. It was like, you know, this black book. And it is on the great cathedral of Europe. I didn't understand when I look at it, I started to wonder about the book because there are no names on the book. And then I started to read my friend's inscription. And this is what she wrote on the book. With great admiration for the greatness you are building where no one sees. I took the book home and I, I want to like to tell you that I will curl up on my favourite couch with my cup of coffee and then just looking at this book. I walked right past all the chaos that was happening in the house, past the experiment that my eldest daughter was doing on the cat, and right straight into my sanctuary, I locked the toilet room, sat on it, began to look at the book. And this is what amazed me. In that book of the great cathedrals of Europe, you can't find the names who built those great cathedrals. And over and over again, I look at all these big mammoth works. I scan down to find the names and it says, Builder, unknown, unknown, unknown. You know, this book 
grips my heart because I've been a builder for 20 years. I've been a designer builder. Well, in real life, I've been that. <laughs> I run my own design company. I've been a builder, a developer as well in Singapore. And building intrigues me. And when I look at this book, I can't find who built this. It says, builder, unknown, unknown, unknown. These people gave their whole life for a work that they'll never see finished. Because to finish a cathedral is longer than one working man's lifetime. These people, the, work, the builders were faithful. The workers turned up day after day for no personal credit. They completed things not knowing even if anybody would notice it. But they trusted that God saw everything. There was this story told about the builder. You know, when you have a house, you have a column and you have beams. And when you have beams, you know, this builder was trying to carve a bird. It's, you know, in those days, they're all wooden beams, all right? So there were, he was trying to carve this bird in detail. And he was not carving the bird on this side that, uh, that any one of us can look at. He was doing it on the other side of the beam. And it was to be covered up by the roof tiles. And he spent so much time doing something that no one would see. And so when he was asked, why do you do that? The builder replied, because God sees. I closed the book. It was as if I heard God said, I see all the sacrifices you made every day. And mothers, you are not invisible to me. I miss nothing. No sacrifice of yours is too small for me. I see every cupcake bake, every dish that's been washed, plates got into the cupboard, dried, laundry being put back. Every misunderstanding you suffered. I see your tears of disappointment in difficult time. And remember, you are building a great cathedral. You can't see it now, what it will become. It will not be finished in your lifetime. And sadly, you will never get to live in it. But if you build it well, I will. You know, at times, my invisibility, I feel that it's like an affliction to me. But it is not a disease that is erasing my life. It's a cure for the disease of self-centeredness. It's the antidote for my own pride in life. It's okay if they don't see it. It's okay if they don't know it. Because we don't work for them. And to all the mothers, single foster, spiritual mothers, working mothers... We work for God. We sacrifice for Him. Our children, our family may never see it. Not if we do it well, not even if we do it very well, because God sees it. And I'd like to encourage all mothers here, and myself, and you. And I want you to read, invite you to read the scripture with me. Second Chronicles 16.9, this is the word for you. Let's read it. Um, it's off the screen. Let's read it together. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward Him. In other words, the eyes of God runs to and fro in this sanctuary 
looking to strengthen those whose hearts this morning are discouraged, whose hearts are hurting, whose hearts are confused, whose hearts are struggling. And God sees our heart. He says, I'm looking to strengthen the hearts of those who are faithful to Him. You know, the Bible tells us of many women who are, whom I classify as invisible. And one particular woman is this woman by the name of Leah. Any one of you named Leah here? L-E-A-H? No, right? It's a very rare name. As I was praying for the message for to you, to bring it to Mother's Day in Petaling Jaya, I asked the Lord, what message would you want me to bring, Lord? I will speak what is in your heart. And God dropped this name to me, Leah. L-E-A-H. I said, Lord, Leah? I said, you know, I am, I was like not so sure. Two hours later, I received a phone call in Singapore. And this particular lady, the wife of one of my leaders who never gave me a call before, called and said, Pastor? I said, yes. Pastor Irene? I said, yes. I'm Leah. I said, Leah? And someone said, yeah, Leah in the Bible? No, no, Leah, I'm Leah. I'm Waikun's wife. I said, oh, hello, Leah. It was like God's, you know, it's so rare to have that name, isn't it? But in my heart, I knew at that point, God wanted me to share about Leah with you this morning. This woman by the name of Leah in Genesis chapter 29, the first wife of Jacob. All right? And so I don't have time to go through all that, but, you know, God had a plan for Leah. God had a plan for Leah, and this, her story is found in Genesis chapter 29, chapter 30, chapter 31. You can read about it. And because of short, I don't have the time. I'm just going to highlight some points about her. In Genesis 29, God said that he knew, he saw. Because that verse that says Genesis 29, 17, you know, when God saw that Leah was not loved, God reached out to her. See, Jacob's eyes were always on another woman. Husbands, do you hear what I say? Jacob's eyes was on another woman. Jacob's eye, he was always looking at Rachel. Alright? And in the story, that you know that Jacob, Jacob was, you know, went to, met, met the uncle Laban and then went, well, met the uncle and fell in love with the youngest daughter, Rachel. And then so the uncle Laban said, oh, you have to work seven years in order for you to marry my daughter. But he did not say which daughter, right? So according to custom, you cannot marry the, the youngest one and skip the eldest one. Alright? And so that was what happened. Jacob's heart, Jacob's eyes, his thoughts were always on, the, on Rachel. And that's why, um, and, and what happened was that God really has a plan for Leah. And for such a time as this, God called Leah to fulfill a role. It is good to know that, you know, God's plan for us is always good. You know, because Jeremiah tells us that God, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future. 
and a hope. Leah was not loved. A little bit about Leah here. Rachel, let's talk about her. Well, Rachel, if you, you know, Rachel is beautiful. The Bible tells us, the commentary tells us, Rachel is beautiful. Rachel was um, a bombshell. She was a rose tremor in the earthquake. You know, she was well favored. One look at her and uh, Jacob would stop breathing, that kind of thing, you know. It's just that he was head over heels in love with this woman. And so he said, for seven years of hard work, I will work just to marry Rachel. That man was really in love. Then there is the elder sister. There's the elder sister, um, Leah. Leah's name means gazelle. Leah, Leah is um, got small, very small, narrow eyes. Some commentators were not very kind to her. They say she got cross-eyed. You know, she was skinny, dark, not pretty, you know. She was known as the ugly duckling, the old maid in the family. So the story went like this. And the sad thing about Leah, even her father used her as a booby trap to get the man, Jacob, to work for another seven years. Poor Leah. I'm wanted because the Bible tells us in Genesis 29, 30, that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. Leah was unwanted, rejected, and uh, she was manipulated, actually, Leah, by her own father, who was a schemer, a con man. I call him manipulator, this controlling spirit that is in him. But what do a woman do in a situation like this? You know, not much is said about Leah, but let me share with you as you go on and find out what happened. God still had a plan for Leah, even though it was difficult times. Even though she was in her days of rejection, being ignored, being manipulated, you know, God still have a plan and a purpose for Leah. She was created, crafted, chosen for a very specific purpose in God's plan. She was God's idea, even though she was Laban's daughter, Rachel's sister, because her definition, her identity came from who she was in God. Who you are is not determined by your look by your qualification, by what you have or what you do. Our identity is found in Christ. And we are precious, we are unique, we are specially handicrafted by the Lord. Because the Lord himself says in Jeremiah, before I even formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you. Leah was God's idea, God's choice, and God's creation. Turn to your neighbor and say you are God's idea. Just turn to your neighbor. You are not a mistake. You are God's idea. Because God said that I know you by name. You are not a number in the church. You are special. The eyes of the Lord runs to and fro the earth, looking into your hearts to strengthen you, to build you up, to empower you. For you are called to be a church in such a time as this, that what seems impossible to man is possible with God. Amen? In your election, 
what God spoke to me. What seems impossible to man is possible with God. Amen. And God knows you by name. God knows who you are. In this part of the world, you are specially crafted for Him. You have found grace in His sight. And there is one role that God had for Leah. Because God said, we are His workmanship, created in Him for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. And so when, you know, that point where Leah got married, before I come to this, you know, on the, the point where God asked who should be the mother of Reuben, Simon, Levi, Judah, Iskara, Zambara, and Dina. She has seven children. Seven children with a man who didn't love her as much. And the other woman only had two sons, right? And a daughter. But can you imagine? That time when you have children, you're a blessed one. All right? And so when God asked, who should be the mother of this six they are all the heads of the six tribes of Israel. In Israel, how many tribes are there? Twelve. And the six tribes' heads are the sons of Leah, the woman whom Jacob did not love as much. And so, you see, church, even though Leah was not loved, appreciated, or cared for by her husband, by her father, by her sister, she remained faithful. And God loved her. God honoured her. And the word is, because Leah, because Leah, Leah was not loved, God reached out to her. It's a beautiful verse. That verse in Genesis chapter 29, verse 31, God reached out to her. How did God do that? Let's look at the names of the sons that she had. The first son is Reuben. And the meaning of Reuben is, because God has seen my misery, see, I have a son. You see, names are very important because names tell a story. Name tells you have been pondering. Every time you, I mean, I, I'm a grandmother, you know, I'm a daughter. My three daughters are 39, 35, and 22. All right? I have a miracle baby at the end, so there's another story. You know? But when you want to think of a name, you ponder a long time about it, isn't it? And so you dwell on it. You could have called the boy Johnny, but she didn't. Maybe Johnny wasn't popular. But she called him Reuben. What is the meaning of Reuben? You see, because God has seen my misery. See, I have a son. God can see your misery, friends. His eyes run to and fro the sanctuary. He sees your misery. And so, Leah, not much is talked about her in the commentary, neither in the Bible about Leah. Except that she was not good looking, etc. Thin eyes and etc. You know? But when she named her first son Reuben, it means... She already has been talking to God. She knew that God knew that she was suffering. And God gave her a son. God opened her womb. God reached out to her by opening her womb, not one time, but seven times. The second son, she named him Simon. What is Simon? 
the Lord has heard that I am not loved. He gave me this one. That's the meaning of Simon. God not only sees, God hears. How did God hear? It means Leah had been crying to God. Who did Leah cry to? Not to the father, not to Rachel, not to the maid, but to God. That's why God gave her a son. The Lord has heard. Wow. Father, thank you. Your ears are here to hear the cries of all of us, Lord. Our struggle, our pain, Lord. How we have not been appreciated. How we have not been loved. God heard that Leah was not loved. God gave her the second son, Simon, which means God has heard my prayer. I cried out to God. What a godly woman Leah was. Third son. And now, she said, my husband will become attached to me. The word attached. Because I've borne him three sons. I was joking to my husband. We have three daughters. It means you're still not attached to me yet. I've been married for 40 years. We are both serving in the senior ministry. He's invited by the government, the AIC, Ministry of Health, to be on board as a consultant to do all the senior ministry work. And I've been appointed as full-time directors to oversee the 21 churches of the senior ministry in the Methodist Church. And together, with all I want is to tap what the government has. And so I use my husband. All that is free, bring it into the church. All the consultants and the doctors and the talks and the money I can get for the Methodist Church, just bring it in. God is so good. For such a time as this, all of us are in position. All of us have a role. I, want to, I choose to say this. I'm 64 this year. And I say, it's not over yet. Amen? God has a purpose. God has a destiny. And God has it for you. My friends, my brothers, my sisters, age is not an issue but that destiny, that calling, that passion within us, God is not done with us yet. God wants to raise a new generation. If I call them the generation of the silver search, then it be the generation of Moses. Then it be the generation of Jacob. Then it be the generation of Hannah, the generation of Naomi and Ruth. That be that generation. Because this is the generation that will impact the generations to come. And this is what God is doing. You know, God is good. God is good. Amen? And all the time, God is good. Amen. Fourth son, she named him, this time I will praise the Lord. You know that four sons are all dedicated to God. For a woman whom felt that husband was not loving her, husband's eyes was always on the phone on the television, on their hobbies, on the second wife. There's no second wife for us in this church, right? But our second wives can be our hobbies. Our second wives can be our television program. Korean movies, non-ending, right? Serial after serial. Well, having said that about the husbands, I also said that about the wives, right? Because we're always stuck with the Korean movies. The serial never ends. God, in this episode, the saga of rejection, the saga of love, the saga of how this woman had felt all the time. Do you know God really loved you? God loved her 
opened her womb seven times, gave her the fifth son, Ishakar, Zebalan. And thank God she got the last one, the daughter, Dina. Dina. And out of the 12 tribes, six tribe heads were all right there by Leah. We praise God, isn't it? Let's give Jesus a clap offering. Thank you, Lord. That God sees, God knows, God hears, God answers prayers. And when He sees that we are not loved, we are neglected, not affirmed, God promises that He will reach out to you. So when you ever feel that you are invisible in the home, remember the eyes of the Lord runs to and fro. The walls of your house, the walls of your church, the walls of your workplace, looking to strengthen those whom God has called, who are faithful to Him. And as, we, I want, as I come to the end of my sermon, I just want to just share the closing with this little video. It's just in words, but read it. It's dedicated to mothers. Respect your mother. Let's play that video. Respect your mother.
And so, Father, we thank you for all the mothers who have made lots of sacrifices that we will not know and we may never know, Lord. And so we come to you today. We ask that you forgive us. There are times that we have ignored our mother. There are times that we feel ashamed of our own mothers because she has dementia, because she's old, not able even to speak. She had bellpoxy, slurring in his speech. Not pleasant even to meet my friends from my workplace. Father, forgive me. Forgive me, God. The times I'm not loved and kept for my mother because I was so selfish. Wanting to please my wife, I ignore my mother. Wanting to please my husband, I choose even not to see her. Lord, forgive us, Lord. For all the mothers who have been ignored, for all the mothers who have not been loved, not been appreciated, who have not been cared for, not been visited, not been affirmed. Father, your eyes run to and fro the ends of this earth, the sanctuary, looking to strengthen the hearts of those who are faithful to you. And today, Lord, we choose to say sorry and we want to say we loved you and we want to love our mother. Teach us, Lord. Teach us to love. Teach us to care. For truly, they have sacrificed so much, given so much. Thank you, Lord. Praise you and bless you. In Jesus' name, our God's people say, Amen.